So we still have potential for P4 here, Nick, as Valtteri, so just keep pushing. This is F1 Debrief. I really give that a thumbs up. Coming up on this show, we discuss the new look and feel of F1, a battle of ex-racers and genuine joy on the podium. I think this counts as a genuine F1 debrief. We've just had the Chinese Grand Prix and now we are going to talk about the Chinese Grand Prix. It's the first time we've done a post-race show for a long time, I think. It Finally, the name makes sense again. And the reason we're doing a show, really, is just because you are super excited about the season so far and we're only two races in. I am pumped for F1 this year. The last four, maybe five seasons, they started off not not great, not been too inspired. The cars haven't looked amazing. The racing hasn't been great. There haven't been many characters in, in F1 to get into, into. It's all been a bit samey the last couple of years. But I find with the opening two races... Australia and then China. I've really got. A, I'm getting a good vibe from Formula One this year. I think it's largely uh, down to the new ownership, uh, the new the changes in, in in regulation for the new cars. The cars look better. They seem to drive a bit better. It feels like it's not hard to like Formula One in 2017. Yeah. In the past, it's almost like um, you ha- you have to struggle. It's, it's, it's you have to put in a lot of effort to get into Formula One the last couple of years. You want to find a clip online and, and Bern is taking it down. Or, you know, you want to watch some some footage and it's on some other channel you haven't got or you can't afford or you can't get hold of. Yeah, you couldn't be a casual F1 fan before and it was really hard to stumble across the sport somehow. Yes. You had to go looking for things specifically in the right places, depending on who's got the rights for stuff. That's it. And now we've got paddock videos. For the first time this year, teams, um, for the however however long teams have been doing social media and they've been trying to, um, they've been banned from making videos in the past, so they've been using animated GIFs, which are terrible. They obviously don't have any sound, they're jumpy, low frame rates, really, uh, a really poor experience for the fan. And, and now they can shoot videos or some videos, you know, there's, there, there, there are limits, but they, they can, they were actually moving pictures shot by people with, with their camera phones in the pit lane. And that's, that's huge. And it was worth noting that the highlights of the race were available on the F1 YouTube channel before the Channel 4 highlights had even aired. They were, yes. So in the UK, the um, you have the two broadcasters. You have Sky, which is the pay-per-view broadcaster, and then you have um, delayed replays by the free-to-air broadcaster. And F1.com had their footage online and viewable globally before the free-to-air broadcaster even got going. Which That's is a huge change. It's a good thing, but then also it doesn't really reflect well on, on Channel 4. So it's a shame in that way. It's not their fault. I mean, they're, they're working within the constraints of, of the old regime and the old contracts, and obviously things have got to be updated and things are going to change. Um, but the, the speed with which Liberty Media are changing the things that they, c- they can uh, make adjustments to quickly is, is quite impressive. Um, it feels like the, the, there's actual journalism on F1.com. Like, people who can write about Formula 1 are writing about it in coherent sentences for, like, the first time since since that domain name was registered. It's amazing. And so far this year, they actually have something to write about. I mean, firstly, I have to say, um, you mentioned it briefly, the look of the new cars is so much better than it has been previously. The lower rear wing, I really give that a thumbs up. It's been 
I don't know when it was now, like 2010? It's been like seven years since they uglified those cars. <laughs> that's my, that's, is that a word? It's not a word, but I like it. I'm going to go with it. Um, I'm going to own that word. And, it, and Formula One uglified their chassis. And finally, someone um, got the hint that nobody wants to be looking at these ugly high rear wings and these terrible front wings, and, and, and they've made it look a lot better. Um, there's still some things that could be refined. The very large... Uh, sail on the back of the cars is still that seems unnecessary the shark fin situation but i was worried about the massive rear tires but actually i can't really tell the difference when they're in motion so it doesn't make too much too much difference this year it seems to make a bit of difference to the drivers yes you have drivers who are complimenting their cars for the first time in a while they all seem to be enjoying driving them it's weird it is odd isn't it after like half a decade of doing nothing but complaining about how bad they are and how bad they handle um, you've got genuine love for these cars. There is some debate over whether um, overtaking is easier or harder or non-existent nowadays. I think we saw l- less DRS overtaking in China, um, but that's actually a good thing because everyone complains that DRS is artificial. Um, and so we saw more genuine overtakes. I am totally, totally taken aback by what a difference lower, lowering the rear wing makes to drs i assume that's the primary reason it's now less effective than it used to be um because it really did not make much difference i mean there's an argument to say drs actually did what it was originally intended to do in china which is allow the cars to stay closer together um so that they can make a pass later in the lap which is sort of what we saw you saw cars that normally wouldn't be able to follow each other in the dirty air in the wake um through the vortices of, of um, one car following another, keeping in close contact. I know that Kimi holding off Sebastian, um, you saw those cars were as close as you like for maybe, well, like five or six laps. Yeah. And that was really close racing. And I'd be curious to, to learn um, how much of an effect DRS had on that. Like if you completely removed DRS, would they still have managed to stay as close? Um, or is it doing just what you wanted to do? Um, not, allow, not allowing uh, cars to pass easily, um, still requiring some driver skill, um, and I think it took like Sebastian, like you know, it took it took him a while to size up Kimi and find a weakness, you know, considering they both had exactly the same chassis. Um, but it, it feels like maybe DRS has found the sweet spot again. It's only we've only had two races. It's and but China is usually with its long back straight is usually a really good example of DRS um, in action. So um, we'll, we'll see how it goes through the rest of the season. We've had two good races so far, um, but I am worried because the tyres seem to be, well, basically endless. They don't seem to be going off the cliff like they used to. Um, So I worry that they could just one-stop pretty much every round of the 2017 calendar. We do need need variables. And the Pirelli tyres are a a major contribution to um, the unknown variables going into a weekend. There was a worrying point during the race when Mercedes strategists suggested that Lewis Hamilton, I think who may have been on lap 10 or lap 12, um, could go to the end of the race on the set of tyres he was on. And that's that's concerning. As it turned out, he couldn't. Um, and maybe um, the lack of running on Friday meant that the team didn't have as much data as they might normally have, which which I do wonder. Like, we didn't have any Friday running, or, or what was it like? 12 laps or something useless. No driver did more than eight laps. Right. Um, and the entire FP2 was cancelled completely mm. due, due to the fact that the um, medical helicopter couldn't take off. And it didn't really make a huge difference to the running of the weekend. Well, I think Giovinazzi would argue with you there. Because he didn't have as much experience as he'd Because he liked. crashed twice after that. 
Well, that's true. Maybe for the rookers it's important. Yeah. But I think we lost an entire day of running and the show wasn't affected. And perhaps, just maybe, the race was more interesting as a result. And we are entering an era where um, engineering and engineers and um, technology allows teams to know so much, um, to gather so much data. I do wonder if limiting the amount they can capture before going into a race um, might might increase the number of unknowns. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be the way, isn't it, that the more information they have, the better they can make strategies and make everything work how they want it to. I mean, it's the same reason that the Barcelona race is never that interesting because they know everything about that track. Because they test there. Yeah. Hmm. So with the exception of rookies, so Van Dorn could have done with more running, Stroll could have done with more running, um, and so could Giovinazzi, who, who, who's been like thrown into in the deep end at Sauber. Bless him. Uh, but, he, you know, he was doing well until this weekend when it all sort of unraveled. And I guess lack of practice um, would have a lot to do with that. Um, and, you know, I presume that Giovinazzi has no experience running wet weather tyres in Formula 1. I don't know whether he did the wet weather test instead of Verline. I do wonder whether or not it was a complete baptism of fire for the poor chap. Um, go, go get in that car and do a brilliant job. Oh, by the way, it's hammering it down and you've got no time to practice. <laughs> So you want to get rid of free practice, or on Friday anyway, but during the weekend you also said you wanted to get rid of qualifying because Verstappen proved you didn't need it. I did tweet that, yes. Well, what's the point? I mean, the guy started like virtually at the back of the grid. and He gained a couple of places thanks to Palmer's penalty and Grosjean's penalty. Um, but essentially he was as good as it, uh, at the back of the field. And by the end of the first lap had climbed to somewhere around seventh. Um, why, why bother qualifying? <laughs> yeah. If you could put in that kind of performance... Um, if you have that kind of car skills, uh, I guess he, he's a guy who can control cars well in the wet. So maybe the wet, dry conditions worked in his favour. He seems to be able to get more out of a Formula 1 car in those conditions than anyone else. So- I don't know if it's skill or bravery or, or whatever it is, but whenever there is low grip, he is an absolute hero compared to everyone else. He mm. makes them look stupid. It may, it may be that he can't always come from, from 17th to 7th in one lap. But maybe he could, you know, maybe he just doesn't bother. He just saves his tyres on the Saturday, sits it out, goes straight into the rest of Sunday and just blitzes everybody. He got driver of the day, naturally. Um, but Not I, naturally. No, I see, I don't agree with that. What? I don't think he was the driver. He was a very good opening lap, but he wasn't. I, I would say Vettel and Grosjean also put in equally strong performances. I was going to say Vettel's overtaking was really good and Grosjean did a great pass. But then he was a bit unhappy before the race um, because of his qualifying penalty, which said he didn't slow down under yellow flags and he was posting data and, and statistics to Twitter saying how unfair it was. Poor guy. I do wonder if the stewards... they I, I feel they could have done a, a better job this weekend. Sebastian Vettel started the race virtually in the middle of the track. Yeah, he did. He was at least a car's width across, if not more. Um, nowhere near his actual grid markings. It's like your parking. It was, <laughs> he parked his car like I do. Um, it was atrocious. And yet, did he, he didn't even get a reprimand. Was it a warning? What did he get for that? It was basically he nothing. Didn't, he didn't get anything. Right. That's useless. I mean, you cannot start. Like, that is a major advantage. Especially compared to the fact that uh, two drivers were reprimanded for not turning up on time for the national anthem. Apparently, that's really, really bad. But starting in the middle of the grid, wherever you feel like it, that's fine. Carry on. <laughs> right. Is that the standards? That's the standards they were working to. Um, well, yes. I mean, it's like if you could pick your grid spot and say, actually, you know, I don't want to be near those white lines, which are really slippery in the wet. Um, so I'm just going to move my car to where I feel <laughs> like starting the race from. I kind of think perhaps somebody might need to put a stop to that. Yeah. 
Otherwise, people would be like, oh, I, I kind of don't want to be near this guy. <laughs> don't want to be near Hamilton. He's too much of a, of a threat. Don't want to be near Maldonado, for example. I'll just move out of the way. Yeah. Just part where you like. I, I, why even have grid markings? That they do, I do feel like they dropped the ball on that one. There was another couple of d- dodgy decisions and a few couple of question, question marks over there, um, the way they handled the event. They noted a lot of things. Yeah, um, well, I, they're supposed to be taking a bit of a step back, but they seem to be... Uh, you have to turn up, though. Yeah. You have to be there on the day. Um, and they weren't, they weren't there this weekend. So Sebastian Vettel did a great job, but he finished second with um, Lewis Hamilton winning the race. I mean, he was out there. We barely saw him. He was leading from pole all the way to the end. Um, but that means that they both have equal points at the top of the standings. And not only that, they are equal on wins and second places. So it really couldn't be more close. You've got two really uh, experienced teams. Both know who how to win. You've got experienced lead drivers in each of those teams. They know how to win. Um, I do like that post-race hugging between Hamilton and Vettel. I don't think it's going to last. They were both so happy and it was really good to see. But I think it's just because both of them know what it is to dominate and the pressure that comes with that. Mm. Um, Leading every race, winning everything and having that lead in the championship that you have to defend. And so I think having that kind of pressure sort of lifted um, because they're in the middle of a great battle and it's really fun and exciting and who knows what's going to happen. Um, they seemed genuinely joyous on the podium. They did. It's, for, for, again, for the last few years, you would look up at the podium and most drivers seem unhappy for one reason or another. They feel like they didn't get the most out of their out of their race or they were slighted by their teammate. Or, yeah. you know, there was a, there's normally a, a, a three grumpy men on top of that podium um, unhappy about something or other. So it was good to see the... the, the, uh, the the joyousness of it all. But I do wonder if we take um, snapshots uh, at the first two races and maybe, you know, later on in the year and then even later on into the season, whether that will carry on. At some point, they're going to they're gonna come together and, and maybe not be, not be best of friends anymore. No. But then again, I mean, it is a different dynamic to be battling someone in another team instead of in your own team. It's sort of, I reckon it's easier to be magnanimous to someone in a different team mm. than if you're Hamilton to be magnanimous to Rosberg, for example. It's curious that um, both Vettel and Hamilton have Finnish teammates. I don't know whether that affects their mentality at all. but It's something they've got in common. Well, I mean, the thing is... gossip both, about them. Both have been disappointing. Um, Bottas has been thrown in. Um, I mean, he's had time. He's had enough time to sort of get up to speed with the Mercedes. And he did rather embarrassingly throw it off the road behind the safety car. Um, he's going to have to come to terms with that and deal with that himself because that was a shockingly... Um, Shockingly rookie mistake. Um, Kimmy, somewhat underimpressive and quite the moaner. <laughs> he complained almost entirely throughout that Grand Prix. Did, 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 did you hear a break from Kimmy's complaints? It seemed <laughs> to be almost near constant complaining. Yeah, well, that's about par for the course, isn't it? But he wasn't the only one. I mean, Verstappen was complaining the entire time that there was a Grosjean in his way. There is absolutely no justification for um, for calling for Grosjean to get blue flags in that situation. I don't know what Verstappen was thinking. There, he, the, the guy was not holding him up in any way, shape or form. It seems really bizarre as well because Verstappen has no problem overtaking. He seems to have a good head on his shoulders. Mm. It's like he just flipped completely at the sight of this Haas and that he couldn't get past for one reason or another. And remember that this is the same guy that moved from from, from the back of the grid to the front of the grid in the first, first yeah. in the opening lap, um, suddenly got tripped up by a back marker. And the Haas is not the fastest car on the grid by a, by a margin. And the Red Bull should have been able to either get get close and overtake or, you know, or, or basically stay back and stay out of the way. And 
for whatever reason, he did. He lost his cool there. It was very weird. The Haas isn't the fastest car on the grid, but it is by no means the slowest. Who do we give that award to? Would it be McLaren? By rights, it shouldn't be McLaren. Um, and Alonso, I think, um, did, did an amazing job of, of showing the world how good Alonso is <laughs> yeah. and how bad Honda is during the race. His radio messages were, were absolutely sublime in terms of um, bigging up Alonso. <laughs> uh, and, and and putting down Honda, it was, it was a masterclass. I'm the best in car PR. in the corners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alonso! Yes, uh, I mean, but there was a, a double DNF for them, so that's brilliant. It doesn't get any better. The only thing um, you can say that was positive is that going into the weekend, Honda estimated that it would be their worst race, and they estimated that they would be right the way down the order due to the long straights. Um, so and- the good news is that they know they're bad. Well, they expect it to be worse, I think, is probably the, the best takeaway. Um, that you, you can leave China. I mean, if you go into it thinking, like, we are, we can barely get down the main straight. The first step is admitting you have a problem. They do what they have. They've put some requests for engineers. Um, they've got a recruitment section on their website that says, we want, or we need um, more Formula One engine engineers. So they, they have admitted they've got a problem. They are on the lookout to, 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 to fix it and to get on top of these issues as quickly as possible. But they should have been doing that last year. You shouldn't wait to the second race of the Grand Prix before saying, hey, do you want to come and work for us? Do you know anything about engines? Can you help us out of this hole? And for the most part, everyone is feeling sorry for Alonso because we all know he's super quick. He's a former champion. He could do a lot better in a better car. Where's he going to go? Is this going to be the end of his career? All that stuff. But I feel really bad for Van Dorn because how is he supposed to impress anyone in that? In a car that doesn't get to the end? True. Uh, Although if Fernando Alonso is your teammate, I'm not convinced you he has a hope of impressing anyone really even if you argue that hamilton and vettel are maybe better drivers than alonso at this point alonso in the twilight of his career he he still is one of the best he, he, you know maybe there's an argument to say he still is the best and van dorn obviously is a rookie he's he's got a lot of learning to do he, the more track time he has the better it is for him and that's one thing that honda are starving him of the thing he needs most is laps Lots and lots and lots of mileage under his belt. These constant failures are obviously not helping in that situation. I don't think he can do much more than he's already done. I didn't see him, actually. Did you see him at all on Sunday? I didn't really see what he did. No. No, it's a, it's a tough, it's a it's a really harsh, harsh position to be in, but at least he's in Formula 1. Um, you can definitely look back at Jensen Button's decision to clear clear off out um, and, and never even look behind him. Yeah. <laughs> don't even acknowledge that Formula 1 exists. By the way, there's a great, um, there's a great comparison. If you look at um, the things that Jensen Button has been tweeting since leaving Formula One versus the things that Nico Rosberg has been sharing on social media since leaving Formula One, there is a, there is a marked difference. <laughs> I mean, Nico Rosberg is at home watching every race. All I ever see from Rosberg is, oh, here's me watching this with my family or here's me with my trophy doing this. <laughs> yes. Rosberg is still loving Formula One um, and he's still he's still involved. He, he turned up at testing during the winter, he does have to do that though as a champion, doesn't he? He's a, well, he, he may, he's contractually obliged to um to, to, to do to, stuff, yeah, to showcase his trophy on occasions and, and to do PR work for Mercedes. But I don't think he's contractually obliged to watch the race and pay attention. No, um, but he still is. You know, he's still into it. He's still off. He's still offering his insight from his from his uh, sofa. Whereas Jensen Button, nothing, <laughs> barely a mention of Formula One. He's an Iron Man now. He doesn't need Formula One anymore. He's moved on so quickly. It's back-to-back races, so we've just had China and we're looking ahead to Bahrain. What do you reckon is going to happen? Well, it's only a week. 
It's it's very very quick, isn't it? Um, so on the on the plus side, this works in Bosses's favour. He doesn't have long to dwell on the mistakes um, he made in China. He has to make an impression. I think this coming weekend. I wouldn't expect it to rain in Bahrain. I'm assuming it's it's uh, sunny. Well, it's a night race, isn't it? But it's going to be it's going to be clear and dry. I would guess. Yeah, completely different conditions. Um, so that's you know that that, that removes one variable for for Bottas. He's going to have time to um, dial in the car on Friday. Maybe maybe Friday lack of Friday practice um, hurt him too. So he's got to stand up. He's got to really make a uh, a difference. I think at one point I think he was quicker. Was it in Australia? He was he had measure of, of of Hamilton, but not when it mattered. I think it may have been in Q two or something. Um, but it looked like he he he's got the pace. Um, but it, you know he's two races in or three races, and he's going to have to stand up and, and make a difference. So that my he's the person I'm watching closest, I think. And I think I'll be keeping my eye on Red Bull because I want them to be in the battle. I want I'm not satisfied with just a two horse race. Jesus, I want a three horse race. <laughs> Do you think that they? Could be up there. It I doesn't seem like. No, I don't think they've got the pace at the moment. But you never know. I mean, they could pick things up. Um, it's more likely to come as they develop, I suppose. It will. Well, um, also on circuits which aren't so engine related. Yeah. I mean, Monaco. You can pencil in Monaco. Um, but they. I mean, your three-way fight would be amazing. I do. I do wonder that maybe. Am I being greedy? <laughs> no, not at all. No, you can always wish for more. I think what what was. What I was just getting to there, though, is Ricciardo. I mean, Ricciardo, look where Ricciardo started the race and how far ahead he was of Verstappen. And look where he <laughs> yeah. finished the race. Yeah, that is awkward. Um, where he was behind him. And I just wonder, if you're Ricciardo, and, and what's what's going through your mind now? I mean, you ended last season badly um, with Verstappen showing you the way. And this season's sort of going down the same route. Australia was painful. It was Well, it's, so far, I think everything's been painful. Has he got any... Any plus points to look forward to? Any any kind anything takeaways from the opening races that you can say actually that went that went my way? I don't think he has. I think it's all been doom and gloom. So well, he was um, closing the stop and down towards the end of the race. Mm-hmm. He was chasing him for that podium, but he didn't get it. So I guess in the end, you you can't really take that away as a positive. Even if you take the safety cars into account, I don't think Verstappen should have been near him. Not a normal situation. Um, and that would that you know, I don't know that might be I think that's that's the other person I'm going to be watching this weekend. Ricciardo, what's his mental state? How is he going to respond to the challenge? Um, if it's a dry weekend and if there's no variable weather conditions, maybe Verstappen you know doesn't have quite the advantage. But I bet he still makes it work for him. Who do you think if right now putting you on the spot, who is going to come out of Bahrain with more glory, Verstappen or Ricciardo? I think it's got to be Verstappen. I mean, he's all about the glory. The trouble is, it's still early in the season. And at this point, it's easy to say, it's fine, there's a long way to go. But you really, you have to stake your claim now and say, this this is it, I'm doing this. I'm going to take the fight to, to everyone, especially my teammate. And I don't think Ricciardo can do that. Is Red Bull now Max Verstappen's team? Is he number one? Um, no, I wouldn't say it's gone that far yet. But... Um, could it change this weekend? I think if he how keep, far are we away from it changing? If he keeps doing what he's doing, then then yeah, it's going to happen. Mm. It's tough for Ricciardo, especially because he's such a nice guy. He's the defending champion of Christine's rankings, which is back for 2017. Um, so if you ever see anything a driver does that is, you know, wearing dodgy fashion or tweeting something hilarious, you have to let me know because what I do all season long is p- give them points, take away points and stick them in a rankings 
chart of my own making. And this is for anything off track. This is the alternative Formula One championship. So anytime a driver's out of the car doing anything interesting, Hamilton throwing caps in the crowd uh, during wet wet practice, um, ping pong. Yes. Pre-race, pre-race <laughs> ping pong. Always a good, good points owner. Um, are any drivers turning up with pandas? A surefire hit. And cake. Mm. Uh, Lewis Hamilton is walking away with this year's championship already. I mean, he has a huge lead. So if you're um, a fan of any other driver and you spot them doing anything interesting, for goodness sake, let Christine know. Um, how do people get in touch with you? There's a dedicated form on the rankings page, which is sidepodcast.com slash rankings, or contact in the usual ways, sidepodcast.com slash contact. Please, please do that. We don't want a really close Formula One racing competition um, and then an easy re- victory for Hamilton in the rankings. No, at least not at this stage. I mean, we're only three weeks into it. Also, whilst you're visiting the site to look at the rankings page and send your suggestions my way, um, it's also worth checking out the Fact Bite Fact Box, which is live coverage of the races. Um, you can obviously follow along as the racing is unfolding, but also there's um, there's all the archives so you can see what happened. If you missed anything, if you don't get to watch it live, you can catch up with um, our Fact Bite Fact Box replays. And there will be a Fact Bite Fact Box for Bahrain? Absolutely. Wonderful. And just before... Um, we head off. Uh, one last thing to mention, um, just looking ahead to Bahrain, Renault have said that their development push starts this weekend. Already? Renault are, are bigging up, or Cyril Abitable from Renault is bigging up their chances. They're starting to bring new things on board this weekend, so maybe, just maybe, um, they could do something. I mean, it's, it's a shame to see Hulkenberg back there, uh, and Palmer's not had an awful lot of luck um, in the opening races, so it would be nice to see if they could turn it around this early in the season and start making strides forward. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in Bahrain. And I reckon if it's a good race, we might come back and do another debrief. All for F1 and F1 for all. Listener.